Welcome to the Lost Boys to Found Fathers podcast. I'm Will Haycox, and joining me is my co-host, Gabe Sullivan. We're men who have suffered the loss of a child, and through this production, we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Thanks for joining us, guys. This is episode 13. We are uh, getting together here, just a quick after work meeting here. We've been doing our most of our recording on Saturdays, where we have plenty of time to stretch out, but uh, we just wanted to get this one in for you guys to give us kind of an insight as to who we are, where we're coming from, and, and let you know a little bit more about the host of this podcast. So without much further ado, here is Gabe. Hey man, thanks for, for uh, introing us there, Will. And just want to say one thing about episode 12. It was uh, very noisy. So if y'all listen to that, we apologize. We were recording that in an office that had like a skylight. And there was a major torrential rainstorm that was going on uh, that day. And so if you've listened to episode 12, sorry about that. There's nothing we could do about it in our finite understanding of how to use GarageBand. So <laughs> apologize for that. And hopefully today will not be as noisy and will work better. Uh, so yeah, today we thought we would just go over like our testimonies, like where we are, um, you know, where we came from, like kind of wh- what our stories are about how we came to know the Lord, uh, because obviously if you've listened to any of these, we're talking about Jesus a lot, we're talking about the Bible a lot, because uh, that means a lot to us, and it kind of defines who we are. Um, so uh, I grew up in a broken home uh, that got uh, unbroken, you know, me and my parents divorced when I was real little, and then they uh, ended up remarrying when I was younger as well, very young, like two and three, maybe something like that. Uh, so I would spend uh, most of the the, my weeks and time with my mom and stepdad and, and brothers uh, and then every other weekend I would go visit m- with my uh, dad and stepmom and then my, my sister over there uh, and when I would go visit them when I was younger they would take me to church uh, we went to church here in Spartanburg First Baptist downtown and you know it was every other weekend I was going to church when I was with my mom and, and stepdad and brothers uh, initially, they did not go to church. Uh, we just hung out on the weekends, traveled, you know, did whatever. Uh, and so as I got a little bit older, you know, in like later, I guess middle elementary school, eight, nine, ten years old, that kind of thing, you know, I kind of thought that I was a, a Christian because I went to church every now and then. You know, I thought I was a Christian because I read the Bible every now and then. I thought I was a Christian because I prayed. And, I, you know, I believed that there was a God. I believed the stuff that I was learning and I was doing some of those good things. I was trying to make my good outweigh my bad, um, but, and I thought that was it. And then I remember vividly being at a uh, youth uh, basketball camp one year, one summer, and this was a, a Christian-based camp it's called Upward. Um, some of folks may have seen those camps and, and leagues around the country. I'm still active, we still coaching Friday night uh, in an Upward League for my kids playing football right now, but I was at this upper basketball camp and at the end of lunch every day, they would have somebody come up and give us like a speech. They would talk motivational stuff. They would talk about the Bible or the Lord. And I remember this one day, the guy that was speaking, he, he said, okay, at the end of my talk today, if you want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus, then you come, come with me and we'll talk about it. And so a bunch of guys got up and left. And I was like, you know what? I, I know God. I've been to church. I read my Bible. I'm good. I don't need to go to that guy. And then the next dude gets up and he says, 
okay, if any of you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, then come with me. And I was like, okay, that's that's the group I need to go with because I think that I have actually uh, probably been like, you know, uh, like too mean to my little brother recently and, you know, probably haven't been um, speaking kindly or nicely like to my, to my parents or whatever. So I'm going to go with that guy and rededicate my life. Well, I get into that, um, to that room and this dude is, giving this spiel about having Christ as your king and and not having yourself on the throne of your life and man he might as well have been speaking German because I, I don't speak German and I didn't know what he was speaking about like I could not understand anything he was talking about and it kind of hit me between the eyes that man you're you're not a Christian like all the stuff he's talking about having Jesus as your king and your Lord and you being secondary to him man I, that was foreign to me I didn't know what he was talking about and so I left that realizing I don't even think I am a Christian. I don't, I don't think I am a follower of Christ, you know. And um, maybe a year later or so, our my other family that didn't go to church started going to church. And the church that we went to, uh, they had the pastor over one day, and he just like laid out the gospel for me uh, and explained to me that it's not just about it's not about following the set of rules, you know. It's not about trying to do the right thing. It's not about even believing uh, in, in, in Jesus. It's about believing in Him, but then also repenting of your sins, like turning away from your sinful self, turning away of trying to please yourself. You know, it's about it's about admitting that yes, okay, I need I need a Savior. Like I can't be good enough to earn my way into heaven. I can't do enough good things, and and that my belief is in Jesus Christ. That He's the one that actually paid the penalty for me. You know, he died on the cross to take the punishment, the wrath of God for the sins that I've committed. And it's about me believing that, and then it's about me confessing that. And so that day, like I, I prayed and I said, God, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I thought that I was, you know, trying to do all the right things, and that, that was the wrong thing. You know, I was trying to earn my way into heaven instead of accept your free gift of grace. Um, you know, the Bible's clear in that. It says that we are saved by grace. You know, it's not of works. And and I, I repented of that sinfulness, thinking that I could be good enough. And then I, con, I confessed, you know, with my mouth. I said, okay, now, from now on, Jesus is going to be my Lord. It's not going to be me being Lord of my life. It's not going to be me trying to, you know, make my own way. And that was a defining moment in my life, sitting there in my living room. And I, certainly, since then, it's not like I've been perfect. Man, I've been through periods of... I hate to say it, but like outright rebellion at times where I was just like trying to find a way to sin, you know, and trying to find a way to do bad things um, and and rejecting uh, the Lord and his, his, you know, chastisement or his like nudging me back to him. And I'm ashamed to say that, but it's but it's true. I've been through those periods, but thankfully God is faithful. And during those periods, like, he never let me go. And he was always like there to be like, hey, come back to me. You know, come back to me. I want you to come back to me, and 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 I, I I have thankfully I can say that I think the pattern of my life for the past, dang man, thirty something years has been more of trying to follow after Christ, and than running away from Him. You know, and that's not because I'm good. That's just because He's good. Um, so that has made all the difference in my life you know he's given me that uh peace of just the, of eternal life that i wouldn't have had otherwise um but also during the good times you know i've been able to recognize that hey these are blessings from him 
during the bad times, being able to realize that this is also a blessing from Him uh, because the Word tells us to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because God is making, you know, even the difficult times, He's allowing those to be used to hone us and to make us better and to make us more like Him and to, to make us, uh, you know, more like, like our Savior. And so, uh, in a nutshell, that is my testimony and that's where I come from. Now I'm just trying to grow closer to the Lord every day. I try my best to do a good job of, of being a, a husband that leads his wife well and loves his wife well and that does the same thing for his kids. Um, not that I get it perfect, but that's that's who I am. That's where I come from. That's cool, Gabe. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, I just wanted to ask, how old were you when you got saved? Uh, about 10 years old. 10. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool story that I think... Uh, we're in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I think there's a lot of people who probably live that same story of growing up in church and thinking you knew everything and that, like you said, you know, you hear the guy <clears throat> asking you to come down and, and become a Christian, and you're like, cool, but I already know, you know, all this stuff. I already feel like I am a Christian. I've heard all the stories, and I'm a good kid you know, most of the time and stuff like that, and I, I think that's that's true to my story as well and I think that's a an easy thing to fall into is you know all of the right answers you know the the Sunday school answers the God Jesus the Bible right and if you know those and you feel bad when you do bad things and you try to do good things then it's easy to think like yeah okay so I must be a Christian and I, I think that's a an important thing to point out that just because you know the answers to all the questions that doesn't mean that you're a Christian and I think the uh, the realization you came to at that camp where you talked about you know when he really got into like what does it mean to rededicate yourself and you were like oh That's I don't right. know what you're talking about so I must mm-hmm. not must not have dedicated myself in the first place to the Lord and I think that's a, a thing that probably a lot of people don't realize until it's too late mm-hmm. or maybe they do realize it later in life but they they have you know five or ten years 20 years behind you in age and and uh, have just wasted the opportunity to serve the lord in those years man that's right and i would say two things in regards to that one is you know jesus says in the bible at one point he says you believe in me good even the demons believe in mm-hmm. me and they shudder mm-hmm. you know so it's not it wasn't just even about people say well, i believe in god mm-hmm. okay so do demons because <laughs> they know that he's yeah. real but it's like is he our lord mm-hmm. right do we just know stuff about him do we believe him but it, or is he our lord is he the one that we have said i'm gonna be your slave mm-hmm. you know and man he's been teaching me some stuff about that you know just the past couple of days just about again me not being on the throne like letting him be on the throne me being his slave you know and that that's a good thing and and then second thing i say in regards to that you, you talked about that realization i had to come to that was only by god's grace because it's not like anybody was trying to prove it to me it was just like i screwed up and went to the wrong room but thank goodness i went to that room you know because i had that realization but our, our pastor sometimes now he says in the south you got to get somebody lost to get them saved you know and what he means yeah. is that we have yeah. to get them to realize that hey just because you grew up in church and you know all the church answers mm-hmm. man that is and you try to be a, a good guy you know and you try to you know not drink on sundays or <laughs> not have sex too much with your girlfriend you know whatever before marriage then that makes you a christian right mm-hmm. and he's like no 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 it's not it's not about that right we mm-hmm. have to understand what does the bible say about salvation what's the bible say about our understanding uh, or what does the bible say about 
our relationship with God, you know, and so we have to to get to get to that point where we realize that, man, okay, I am not a believer. I'm mm-hmm. not a follower of Christ. Um, I might believe in Him, but am I following Him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there are a couple of things you said there that that stood out to me. Is one you talked about like believing in Jesus, but not not really surrendering your life to Him. And and I've had someone tell me at, at work. I, I try to have as many conversations as I can about. Christianity and and just to bring things around to that and there was a guy I was talking to a couple of months ago and he made the comment as we were just kind of passing and ending our conversation he's like man I believe in God and I think I'm in right relationship with him is basically what he was saying I don't know that he used those words but I've, I've got a good line with God I just don't believe that that Jesus was a son I don't really believe in the Jesus story but I have a good relationship with God and like his were his foreman was like calling him away to something else so I didn't have time to follow up and then he didn't come back to that job site. Like, I haven't seen him since then. But I just wanted to ask him, like, in the Bible, Jesus says, like, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And it says several other places, like, you can't believe in Jesus. You can't believe in God and not believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you don't really know God because he told you about Jesus through all the Old Testament. And I think that's a that's a mindset we have in our culture now that, like, Jesus is one of many ways to get to God. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you believe in Jesus, then that's great. You know, I'm glad that you found something that works for you, but I believe in meditation or mindfulness or New Age or Buddha or whatever it is. And so I'm worshiping the same God you are, and I will end up in the same place. And I, I think that's something that, sure, we could, we could go on for a long time, but just to say that's something that we need to be aware of and we need to realizing ourselves when we start thinking that way like if i'm if i'm following god but what i'm doing doesn't line up with what the bible says then maybe you're not really following the real real god you're following a god you've created for yourself Mm. um and the other thing you talked about gabe kind of leads into my testimony how god had you in the right place you went into the wrong room because you weren't really there to rededicate yourself because you weren't christian at the point but God had you in that right room because who knows what was being said in the other room. Maybe he would have led you down a path and you would have been like, yeah, sure, okay, I'll do this. And he would have made another head decision without it really being a heart decision. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of goes into to my testimony. And I'll just try to share it with you guys quickly. I told Gabe before we started this podcast, if I get going, I could probably talk for 30 minutes or an hour on, on uh, my story and my relationship with the Lord over the years. But... Uh, Similar to you, Gabe, I grew up in a, a family that went to church, um, but we went to church all the time. Um, I was one of those guys that every time the doors were open, I was there on Sundays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays for Boy Scouts and any other function we did, I was in church. Uh, I knew all those Sunday school answers. I had an awareness of probably as much of the Bible as any five, six, seven-year-old would. Um, and when I was about six or seven, I professed faith and uh, I went and talked to the children's pastor and you know was planning to do the whole new member class. It, I don't know if they still really do it in the South, but we have the new member class where they go over your faith and all this stuff and like, why are you a Christian? And you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a member of a church? And talked to the children's pastor and through talking to him and him asking me some probing questions, he kinda, I remember he told my parents like, he knows the right things, but basically it sounds like he is just afraid of going to hell. Like, I knew what the devil was. I knew 
hell was separation from God or the wrath of God, and I didn't want to be there. So I'm like, if I'm a Christian, I don't have to go to hell. So that's what I want. And he tried to counsel me, I think, through that. But I always had in the back of my mind, like, I'm saved when I was six or seven, whatever it was. I became a Christian, and so, like, I'm good now. And grew up going through school, and uh, I was homeschooled until I was in 10th grade, went to high school in 10th grade. And so through all that time, like, getting to know new people, uh, I was pretty much a good kid. I was, you know, I followed all the rules that my parents had. That I felt like they were reasonable rules, even though I didn't feel that way then. Um, and didn't didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't hang around with anybody that did. Um, felt like I was in pretty good relationship with the Lord. Went on all the church trips. We had uh, local mission trips and mission trips throughout the, the rest of the country. And you know, felt like I was a good Christian and was doing all the, the right Christian things. And uh, probably about the time I was 17 or 18, I got into a, my first real serious relationship with a girl. And that ended poorly, as most teenage romances probably do. Um, about the time I was I don't know, six, eight months away from going to college when I was 18. And that kind of ended in a way that I had really broken from my parents' rules and my parents' expectations and kind of what I thought my life was going to be was just follow the rules, do the right things. For the most part, I, my mom will tell you I was a pretty rebellious kid as much as I could be. But uh, I really felt like for the first time, I didn't have to do what was expected of me, and I wanted to look for fun or for meaning or for, you know, whatever the party is, you know, whatever people were doing that they seemed to enjoy in high school that I'd never done before. So I went to college when I was 18, and pretty much as soon as I got there, I, I had the mindset, like, I can do whatever I want now. Nobody's watching me. Nobody's here to see what time I'm coming to bed. Nobody's saying, like, hey, you're 18, you can't be drinking beer. And so, really, I, I did that. I did everything I could. I joined a fraternity just a few months after I went to college, and uh, probably the, the prevailing mindset at my college for the people I hung around with was just get together, party, hang out, drink as much as you can, you know, have a great time. And so I spent four or five years really drinking a lot, smoking a lot of weed, doing a lot of crazy things that I shouldn't have done. Um, but really, I guess, looking back on it, I was looking for some meaning, looking for like what would fulfill me. And I thought, since I'd never done those things before, that partying with friends would fulfill me or drinking all the time would or smoking or trying this drug or that drug and just doing these things that everyone else seems to be enjoying. So, you know, if I do them, I'm sure that will be the fulfillment I need and that will take care of this groaning within me that I just didn't feel like things were right and I look back on it now um, and remember feeling even then we had kind of a, a policy at the school that like everybody could get together and hang out on weekends and then at 2 two thirty in the morning everyone had to go home and since I was part of the fraternity I could still stay when everyone else that wasn't in the fraternity would leave and a lot of times guys would go in for the night and I would end up there by myself later than a lot of people and I would kind of have this like weird emptiness inside where I just felt like you know everybody's gone we, we were having the time of our lives and now everyone's gone and there's nothing to do like I just feel empty and feel like I'm missing something and 
feel like there had to be something more. Um, and I guess at that time I thought the more was like another beer, another smoke, another party, you know, whatever it was. And like I said, I just lived that way for about, about five years and, uh, graduated college, came home and, uh, just kind of went to work and continued doing my thing. I worked at a place where I, I could kind of set my own schedule and get away with doing what I wanted to do. Um, and this was uh, 2013, I graduated college. So in 2014, um, I'd kind of been pestered by my mom a lot um, to get back into church and to to stop living the rebellious lifestyle that I had. I know I caused a lot of heartache with her and my dad with just the way I was living. So to get her off my back, I decided to go to uh, a Atlanta Braves game with the college young adult group at the, the church I grew up in here in Spartanburg. And... I had actually gone <clears throat> earlier that spring to Scotland with uh, some family members and just kind of had a vacation and explored some things there, some castles and other cool stuff. And uh, I was talking in the middle of the game, you know, it was no big deal just going and killing time. So my mom was like, okay, you did a church event. You can go back to, you know, doing whatever you want now. And I was talking to the, the one or two people that I knew there in the middle of the game and said something like, that would be nice to have in Scotland. And this girl turns around, who was sitting in front of me, and uh, she worked at the college and adult ministry at the church. And she was like, oh, you've been to Scotland? Me too. And so we talked for the rest of the game, I don't know, an hour. And then we actually ended up sitting together on the way home from that game. And from Atlanta to Spartanburg is probably two and a half hours with no traffic in the middle of the morning. So we talked until 2 a.m., whatever time we got home um, on that bus. And I was just kind of like, well, I'm about to, to leave and go home, and if I'm not going to come back to church. So if this girl says no, then it's no big deal. So I asked her, like, hey, can I take you on a date? You want to go out sometime? As we were getting off the bus. And I guess she was so tired that her garb was down or whatever the, the deal was. And she was like, yeah, sure, we can go on a date. So I continued going to church basically because she worked there, just to, to be where she was and to impress her with how great a guy I was and how much I could volunteer and all this stuff. And we went on our, our one date, and it didn't really work out because I wasn't a Christian at the point, and she was and, and wanted to be with a guy that was a Christian. And... I ended up going faithfully to that college and young adult ministry. And after a while of going to just be where she was, I started actually listening to the pastor. And some of what he was talking about, about the gospel, about how it should change our life and how it's not just this thing we grow up with and Bible stories and, and you know, knowing, like I said, these God, Jesus, the Bible, Sunday school answers it was actually something that was living and breathing and, and changed our lives. And, you know, you have a personal relationship with Jesus and all these buzzwords you've heard that don't really mean anything to you if you're not a Christian. And it just got me thinking, you know, maybe is, is this the thing that will fill this, this hole or this emptiness that I've really seen in myself since I was 17, 18 years old and tried to fill with other things. And so I think it was probably August of, uh, of 14, I was trying to do a good thing for this girl that I liked and, uh, I wasn't able to do it just to put it shortly. And it frustrated me. And I was just like irrationally frustrated with why I couldn't do that thing for her and why I couldn't, 
provide for her in this. I was trying to buy uh, medication for her on this church trip she was going on that she hadn't had at the point. She was going to an international location where she needed some, and someone had already donated the money to the church to pay. And so I was like, just irrationally frustrated. It was like, I was trying to do this good thing. I was trying to help her, provide for her, and I couldn't do it, and I'm just so frustrated. So I called like the head pastor of that college young adult ministry, and he didn't answer. This was probably nine or 10 o'clock at night. And I called the assistant pastor and talked to him and just kind of explained to him like everything that was going on in my heart had been over the past few months and how I was just so frustrated and broken down. And I didn't know why I was so frustrated over not being able to buy, like not being able to give my money away. You know, I was, I was still living at home at the time, trying to save money up so I could buy a house. And I was trying to give the money away and I was so frustrated that I couldn't do it. And so really he was just like, man, sounds like to me that you've been reckoning with your life and all this emptiness and this, this search for meaning that you haven't found the answer to. And now you're realizing that the answer is Christ and how the relationship with him and surrendering to him gives meaning and purpose to your life that you haven't had before and you've been craving. And so probably nine or 10 o'clock at night in my my bedroom growing up at my parents' house, I prayed to become a believer with this pastor friend of mine. And uh, it was just a wave of peace, I guess, that came over me at the point. And um, it was something that you can't really explain if you're not a believer. It's, it's a hard thing um, for me, you know, going from being an adult, knew all the right things, and then lived this <clears throat> wrong lifestyle looking for meaning in it and I couldn't find it and I thought I did several times and just kept being disappointed and then finally feeling that peace and that relief I just knew like this this is the right thing this is where the Lord's had me what he's been working towards my whole life and and where he's brought me and fast forward another year from there I, I continued to serve at the church now because the Lord was moving my heart not to impress this girl and this is a whole side note that we may not get on this podcast because it's kind of not related but that girl who i was trying to impress is actually my wife now uh and i liked her for about a year before she ever liked me uh that in 2015 she finally became interested in me she finally realized how great of a guy i was that's a joke i know she'll listen to this later you just wore it um, down man. yeah yeah down. i did Persistence. You know, kept kept trying you know right. it, it works yeah uh for some people i guess but um so we got together in 2015 we got married in 2016 and i kind of got into <clears throat> i guess through 2016 i was still pretty faithful still reading the bible and trusting the lord by 2017 i was kind of allowing myself to think like you know i got to focus on providing for my family and trying to get a better house and a better car and you know this and that and all the stuff that are good things to do as a husband but i did that and let my relationship with the Lord slip at the same time and wasn't praying, wasn't reading the Bible. And doing that for really for a year and a half, two years, I got to 2019 and I was a Christian. I I believe I was a Christian, became a Christian in, in 2014, but I was living selfishly. And I, uh, in May of, of 19, I was at work I uh, worked at a, a family 
business um, and I was asked to go down to one of our locations and uh, help out with something and got down there and got into an argument with another employee and long story short because I wasn't in the place I needed to be spiritually and didn't have the wasn't exhibiting the grace and the patience and the love I let things escalate and helped escalate things to the point where we got into a yelling match and then a fight and then uh, we're, we're hitting each other and I, I got, ended up getting stabbed and uh, I broke my hand in the middle of that, that argument and so I ended up spending a night in the hospital and uh, ended up breaking my hand and that probably took about three months to heal. So. I was a contractor at this time and, and a one-handed, and it was my right hand at that too, so I'm right-handed. So a one-handed chiropractor, gosh, I'm looking at chiropractor on your pen there, Gabe. <laughs> yeah. A one-handed contractor uh, really isn't much good to anybody. So I spent probably a good portion of that one, two, three months that I was injured really just thinking about, like dwelling on my anger and my frustration with everything and how the other person wasn't punished the way I wanted them being punished and how you know I wanted to have the power to fix things and make them the way I wanted them to be and really just got to dark places in my mind as to like what I wanted to happen and, and how I would have fixed it if I had the power and punished that other person. And in early August, I believe, of 2019 or maybe late July, I had someone I was talking to about this situation tell me like man sounds like you're questioning a lot of things you know read the bible trust the lord and read mere christianity by c.s lewis and i read it i don't if you've never read it you should whether you're a christian or not a christian because it's it's amazing but that got me questioning like why you know how terrible is it that i'm a christian and i'm feeling these horrible hateful feelings and i just broke down and, and finally surrendered to what the lord was trying to tell me about how wrong I was in the whole situation and how poorly I was living my life. And so I rededicated myself to the Lord in, in the summer of 2019 after that terrible thing that had happened in, in May of 2019 and really started in earnest doing a quiet time, spending time with friends, talking about the Bible and you know really just trying to dive into a relationship with the Lord. And that, I think I've mentioned this before, uh, our son, Gabriel was born September 30th of 2019 and I had that one, two, three months before his birth that I was really diving into a relationship with the Lord and allowing him to speak into me and to draw me closer to him and if I didn't have that I don't think you know you can never tell but I don't know that my wife and I would be together today uh, things would have gone much differently uh, if I had not been drawn to the Lord at that time and that's that's something that I'll let Gabe talk about here in a minute but um, that's something that I hold on to when when I think about or you know when I have those dark days of like am I really saved does God really work in in people's lives does he work in mysterious ways as you hear and to me it's so real that God allowed the worst thing that had ever happened to me was that fight that threatened to to mess up a lot of family dynamics and you know one or both of us could have gone to jail and broke my hand got stabbed it could have been a lot worse 
that was the worst thing that had ever happened in my life. And out of that came the beauty of reconciling with the Lord and trying to get back into a right relationship with Him and to read His Word, focus on Him. So out of that worst thing that ever happened came the best thing was that I was in right relationship with the Lord when our son was born and, and when he, he was still born. So instead of relying on those things that I had come to rely on in early 2019 before my rededication to the Lord, I was able to trust him and my wife and I together you know, chose to trust him and allow him to carry us through the loss of our son. So it's, it's a really beautiful thing, and I'll, I'll be quiet here and let you talk, Gabe, that God, our God, is able to take the worst thing that's ever happened in your life and turn it into the best thing that could have ever happened because he knows what's best for us. And as it says in the Bible, he works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So, Man, that's awesome. And I, you know... The fact that Will said the best thing or the worst thing became the best thing. Um, I was reading this morning, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of bring this up in this book called The Power of Positive Leadership by a dude named John Gordon. It's a great book. I've read it several times. I read a little bit every day. Um, and he said the Gallup organization. This is on page 56. The Gallup organization did a study where they asked people to name the best and worst events of their lives. They found that there was an 80% correlation between the two events. Somehow the worst event of our lives often leads to the best if we stay positive, stay the course, and keep moving forward. So how cool is it that I read that again this morning. It jumped off the page at me this morning. And we come in here tonight and Will says what he just said. We had not talked you know, prior to, to him coming in here tonight. And when he said that earlier, uh, and I was like, man, this is crazy. Like, I was going to bring that up tonight. And then, and then here it is that he says it. And so that makes me think about football, which <clears throat> I hate to say because there's a Jimmy Buffett lyric that says, are we destined to be ruled by a bunch of old white men who compare the world to football and our mm. program to defend? <laughs> and here I am, an old white man, about to compare us on to football. <laughs> but I think about uh you got football season and then you got preseason, mm -hmm. right? In preseason, it is no fun, right? You're just going through play after play after play, the same play, play after play after play, mm -hmm. and you're conditioning, right? And you're sweating, and it's it's miserable because we live in the South and it's hot. You know, all, any 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 Yankees listening to this up north, mm -hmm. they they're like, what? Is, it's August is like, you know, it's in the 50s or whatever. It's, no, mm -hmm. down here, man, it's still 95 degrees. You know, in August and September, we're sweating. 10% humidity. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's rough. And um, and I say the word Yankee affectionately. Let me just say that, okay? <laughs> and so, um, but that being said, preseason is, is awful, right? It's terrible. And... But why do we do it? We do preseason to get us ready for the season, right? And so we see that played out in our lives spiritually where there'll be something that we go through that we don't know why we're going through it. It may seem difficult and unpleasant at a time, but it's to prepare us for something else in the future, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's the blessing of what the Lord does for us, right? And so I think that we need to just remember that, that there's, there's always a reason. We may not understand that reason for a while, but there's going to be some preseason event that's getting us ready for the real season. Mm -hmm. Will's preseason event was getting in that fight. 
that kind of put him on his back and out of commission. So that way he was able to then rededicate himself to the Lord and start to read the word and reestablish that relationship. So that way, when it came the season, when he went through the loss of his son, he was ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that's just so amazing mm-hmm. that that's what, that's what God does. So what we hope that you take out of this, uh, and you can certainly say anything else you want to mm-hmm. in just a minute, Will, but what I'm hoping we take out of this is that we can understand that sometimes the worst thing that we ever go through is going to lead to, is also going to be the best event mm-hmm. that we ever went through because of the person that we became out of it or because of the lessons that we learned out of it or because of whatever it prepared us for in the future. And then secondly, that there are pre-seasons in your life and there are seasons of your mm-hmm. life. And the pre-season is always getting you ready for the season. So uh, as I, I think it might be, is it? I don't know if it's Jocko Podcast or somebody, says embrace the suck, mm-hmm. right? You got to embrace the suck sometimes mm-hmm. and just realize, okay, there's a reason that I'm doing this. I hate it, but there's a reason and it's mm-hmm. going to be better on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to say quickly, I know we're, we're coming up on 40 minutes here. Um, just because we say, and we certainly believe it's true or else we wouldn't tell you, that the worst thing that's happened in your life can become the best thing, that doesn't mean that it's easy. Like, when I went through that, that fight and I'd been stabbed and I was laying up with a broken hand and just feeling useless, I was certainly not sitting there like, man, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm just so excited. And I know people that, that have companies and they start a company. You know, that's what you're referring to with this, this quote from this book here. People that have a company and the company fails and they're bankrupt, they're not sitting there. Some of them might be, but they're probably not sitting there like, man, I'm so glad this company failed because I know I'll learn from it and things will be great going forward. Mm-hmm. Like, it hurts. And, like, and directly to the people that are listening to this, you're probably, since that's the point of our podcast, you probably have experienced the loss of a child and we're not like, we don't want you to hear us say like the best thing can come from the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So when you lose your child, just, just push through, like, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. So just get over it. Like that's not at all what we're saying. And we wouldn't have told that to each other or anyone else, but we just want you to keep in mind that losing the child is the worst thing that's happened to you but that doesn't mean that everything around it has to be the worst thing that you can like we've talked about before with with our son gabriel because he died and we started my wife wanted to allow donations that could have gone to us or wherever to go to a uh, orphanage in haiti there are 17 plus children who have been able to be taken from being malnourished to being in good health and sent back to their families. And that's just a small thing that has come. And I'm sure there's more from there and there's, you know, there's this podcast. And so we just want you to keep in mind that like there can be beauty from the ashes of the pain that you're going through right now and just be aware of it and, and be aware that God is working even through the pain that you're experiencing right now. And, even though you may not feel him close and you may not have the perspective right now to say this is something that God has done for a reason, it probably is. There's there's some reason, some beauty, something he's bringing to light in your life and he's building. And, and like Gabe said earlier, what you need to do is just put your head down, live every day, and just trust God. Mm, that's awesome. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for saying what you said because I think that clarified uh, and, and and certainly I think what I was talking about could have 
you know, if people could have taken that the wrong way, you know, if you're sitting there, if someone would have told me the day after I buried my kid that this is going to end up being the best thing that happened to me, I would have punched them in the nose. You know, I'd have been so mad at them saying that. So I'm glad that you. So nobody, nobody punched me in the nose or sent me hate mail because Will just clarified exactly what we were trying to, to get a, the point we were trying to get across. And so thank you for that. So we want to thank y'all for joining us today. Uh, make sure that you follow us on. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's Lost Boys to Found Fathers. Make sure you look for us on the social media outlets. And also you can check out our book at thywillbedonebook.com. That's, uh, that's Gabe is talking right here. Me and my wife's book called uh, Thy Will Be Done. Go to thywillbedonebook.com. Uh, let's not be lost. Let's make sure that we are found in him.